sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Our Father, thank you for making this time possible. Thank you that this is a hallowed time in your presence and we do not take it for granted. Thank you for programming us this evening to be here in your presence and to be at a daughter you can make it convention. I pray in the name of Jesus for your help. I pray for your unction and your grace. Lord, I pray that you will use this vessel in any way that you see fit. Lord, I pray that your words will come out from your very throne and that they shall be the words of God Almighty and not the words of any mortal man. Cause your word to be fruitful in our lives. Cause it not to be quenched. Cause it not to be choked. Cause it not to be on shallow ground. But cause it to yield much fruit to the glory of your name. I ask you for mercy. For it's not he that willeth, nor he that runneth, but you who show mercy. Thank you for showing mercy in choosing to use a vessel like this this evening. Let your will be done. Thank you for your unction and your anointing and your enabling power in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, beautiful choir. Please put your hands together for them. I like your ropes too. You are mega. Please sit down. Well, I am surprised that I'm in Canada. <laughs> because although we were scheduled to be here, so many things have happened. And it must be God's doing that we made it anyway. Amen. So I want to appreciate God Almighty for that. Please put your hands together. That's the least we can do. Hallelujah. I bring you greetings from my husband, the bishop. Who is in Beirut today. And um, as soon as we finished the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference, and believe me, it's the most hectic conference in the entire life of Lighthouse Chapel International. Followed by homecoming before the other conventions, you know. Thousands of people always come for ISI from all over the globe. And every year, 
the numbers just go up. And all the chapels are filled. Eats Chapel, Eddie Chapel, Adelaide Chapel, Overflow, Balconies, everywhere. Even the people in the city of Accra recognize that. So I don't know who tells them that homecoming is coming. But they all come and pitch their stalls, their kiosk. It's like a big trade fair for them. Because they know that their wares will be bought. But each year, the number of countries represented goes up. You know? This year, we had people from Australia, Ethiopia, so many places. Not lighthouse people, but pastors and ministers who are hungry for the word. Somebody brought a magazine of Healing Jesus. He has had I think it's 2002 or 2003. And that's the only thing he has had on Bishop. And that led him to Ghana. The thing is old and tattered. And he brought it up. I've been reading it over and over again, holding on to this. But we have a whole library. And every day after church, we just walk by. You know, because usually, what is near to you, you take for granted. But anyway... And the sessions were beginning at 6 a.m. But before 6 a.m., the place is full. You won't get a place. And it was ending very late. Every day I slept like 2 a.m., 1 a.m. So it ended on the Sunday. And then I came on. On the Monday, I left Ghana. So we thank God for the grace of God. And... um, both Bishop and I left, but we went in different directions. He was invited to Bulawayo in Zimbabwe to speak in a 20,000-seater stadium. So he did that, and from there, he crossed to Lebanon. Even British Airways and things have stopped flying to Lebanon. They don't go to such places. So he has to come back on Middle East Airlines, but... We just pray that God keeps us. We pray for continued health for all of us. And we are still privileged to be vessels that God can use. Amen. So I bring you greetings from the bishop. And also, I can see that your church is alive and well. A lot has happened in three years. I can see that the Lord has helped you make some strides. And I pray that you will not take that for granted. So I salute your Gio in this area. You see, your Gio, I know his nickname. Okay, Pastor Mills, Reverend Mills. I don't want to say his nickname because that's the one I'm used to. And all the pastors that stand here and minister with you, Pastor Andy, Pastor Larry, lady pastors, and all, God bless you. Amen. This evening, by the grace of God, I hope not to be too long. And all are wonderful. Are you guests from America? Are you guests? I don't think you are guests. but Brethren, you are brethren. We are happy to have you. Because we haven't been in Canada for three years, so they have been coming to the States, isn't it? But I'm praying for the day when you will learn to travel because of ministry and God's kingdom. And not because your father has died, your this has that, your that has that. 
or just because of a holiday. But like the Queen of Sheba, Muslims are always going on pilgrimage. When Christians have to go anywhere, a lot of talking. Anyway, Canada, I've not even seen your number on uh, the Jerusalem list. Are you on it? Mm. I wonder how many of you, anyway. But it's a... <laughs> It's still a joy to be here. And this evening I'm going to be brief. And then we'll take it up again tomorrow. But I just want to speak to you about how to be spiritually attractive. How to be spiritually attractive. Now many of us in normal everyday life, especially the ladies, we do all we can to look very attractive. Somebody says that these days, beauty is in the shops. If you can afford it, you buy it and you can be beautiful. Amen. And I marvel as women Sometimes the lengths to which we will go just so that we will look attractive. Sometimes people are making clothes in uh, Ghana. Maybe there's daughter they've called people. And some time ago, we used to even get the designers, some of them in church, to make the clothes for people. And then people will be calling long distance. I want this style. I want that one. But alter this one. I want, I mean, we will pay international phone bills. Why? Because we all want to look good. There are times when people will call and say, you see when Auntie Mabi went to uh, Trinidad, you see day one, that dress, that one, that one. And then when We've seen it, maybe in the office. I don't even remember day one of Trinidad. What was being worn. But as people are watching the DVD, it's not just the word that they are receiving. They are receiving other things. And sometimes those other things take preeminence over the word that is being preached. And so my prayer to God always is, Lord... It's a good thing, but may the word, you know, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. May Christ be more enhanced than what we can see with our eyes. That is why these days you can have any length of hair. Overnight, you just put fertilizer and it will go. And it's all in the pursuit of looking attractive. And I believe that a Christian lady should look attractive. The Bible says that we are the temple of the living God. So the temple of God should look nice. And God took his time to tell Moses elaborately, do this. Decorate it this way. The priest should dress this way. They should wear purple. And he says, for the anointing, for glory and for beauty. That's what God said. So God is not against beauty. He thinks that it's a good thing. But 
We are so driven to be attractive physically that we do not channel our energies to be attractive spiritually. And spiritual attraction, I believe, brings about physical attraction. Usually, when somebody loves the Lord, has walked with God, there's a certain beauty that emanates. That is not just physical, but when people see it, they don't even know how to explain it. And they think that it's a physical thing, but it is actually a certain attractiveness that has come from walking with Jesus. And that is what we should endeavor to have. Sometimes in Ghana, people will be looking for a hairdresser. Once I went to a hairdresser, not long ago, when I was going, I decided that I wouldn't wash my hair. When I get there, I'll ask the hairdresser to wash my hair and then to do whatever I'd asked her to do. Now, to find the place in the first place, pass here, ten here, go here. I kept getting lost. Eventually, I found it. And then when they showed me that here, I couldn't believe it. Some hat with some curtain. I said, hey, it's not an easy thing. So when I got in, the lady was there, and I said, oh, I'd like to wash my hair. Hey, madam, there's no sink here. I said, oh. So how do you wash your clients? I don't wash the hair. They wash before they come. Some dingy hole. But she was very gifted. And as I went through the dinghy hole, bending under some curtain, whatever, I said, hey, women, we will go to any land, even when the place smells. Just because when you come out, you'll be looking good, you will go. Even the person says, there's no sink there. Still, you will go. How can you be a hairdresser? There's no sink, there's no towel, there's no, you do everything before you come. But you will still look for it. And you will be calling. I've turned right. Oh, is it that place? No, turn left. Below the gutter. Behind the kiosk. And you are still going. <laughs> and that is because we are so fleshly. And all our concentration is on the flesh, on the outward, on things that don't last and on things that are deceptive. But tonight, I want to challenge us to be spiritually attractive. Turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Even that you don't know, but the kiosk behind the gutter. Reading from verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot, cannot, cannot Please God. Amen. Amen. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. 
For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And then it says, for as many as are led by the, the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, how do you become spiritually attracted? The first step is, and one answer is, not to be carnally minded. It's not talking about being born again. It's not talking about being a Christian. It's talking about your frame of mind, the way you process things, and the way your mind works. Because the battlefield of our lives starts in your mind. Amen? Amen. And that is why the Bible is saying that If you are in the flesh, you mind the things of the flesh. If you are in the spirit, you mind the things of the spirit. But to be carnally minded is death. You you, you think that death is only those on death row, capital punishment, but your mindset can send you to a place of death. Your way of thinking can lead you to death and not life. Your way of processing things experiences you have, things you see, things you hear, all that can lead you to death. To be carnally minded. Not that you are not born again, not that you don't speak in tongues, not that you don't know the Lord, but your way of processing and thinking and looking at this life is so carnal that it leads you to death. But to be spiritually minded... It's life and peace. And that is what most of us don't have. The reason why there's no life and there's no peace in our lives is because of the way our minds work. A lot of people see something like marriage as a very carnal thing. It's just fleshly. This is my husband. I am here. If he does this, I will freak out. If he does this, I will do that. If this person does, it's because you see marriage only as a fleshly thing. But the Bible says that it is a mystical union. And that it signifies the union betwixt Christ and the church. That is what it signifies. And if every time you do something, Christ will just leave you. Christ will just punish you. Christ will give you what you deserve. Where would you be now? But you are so carnally minded even about marriage. And that is why things don't work. Because it's leading you on a road of death. And not in a place of life and peace. And because you are that way minded, you always think that, oh, it's the, the type of man I married. Oh, it's the type of woman I married. Or oh, if we're not for this circumstance. Well, but what it is, is, it is your way of processing. You are so carnal. You are so worldly. You are so fleshly that you can't come to the place of life and peace. You can't. He says the carnal mind cannot please God. Cannot. Not that it's trying and it just cannot. Because even to be born again, it needs spiritual mindedness. I gave my life to Christ. Did you see him step into your heart with his bright blue shoes? It's a thing of faith. And then you see God working in your life. But when you are carnally minded, 
Everything, prove it. Everything, bring a test tube. If he could prove everything, he will not be God. He will be just like you and I. To be carnally minded is death. Some of you, when you are looking for a partner, you are looking for what money does he have? How good does he look? Look, at 40, he will become nine, nine months pregnant at 40. His hair will start to fall out. And you say, ah, is this the Prince Charming I married? Because you are so carnally minded. I speak to missionaries. People who have given their lives to go and serve God. Not all of them. And some of them, I ask them, oh, Lady Reverend, help me find a wife. I say, me? Hmm. I'm not a good matchmaker. But anyway, what are your specifications? What are you looking for in a woman? You won't believe it. Hips number 44. Hips 44. Hips 44. And then there were two of them. And the other one said, Oh, a very fair woman. To be carnally minded is death. Because that fair person does she fear the Lord? Does she love God? When there's a crisis in your life and you are down, does she know how to see God's face and bring the hands of heaven into your home? What guides her in her daily life? Is it the word of God or her emotions? How she feels? <laughs> what type of company does she keep? Is she progressively getting to know God better? Nothing like that. He's 44. And when I told my husband, he said that, how do they know the measurement? <laughs> and if one of the missionaries told me he was in a, a camp with Bishop recently, and then he heard Bishop mention it that, and you say you want it 44, say, hey, mommy has told Bishop. <laughs> and then Bishop added, are you a tailor to be ma- measured? I said, this is another revelation. Me, I have not said that. But to be carnally minded is death. And that's what's killing Christians. We are like the world. There's no difference. We run our marriages, our lives, our finances, everything like the world. But we are so carnally minded. Spiritual mindedness, we haven't even thought about it. We do what we were raised with, what we were told, and what Oprah Winfrey is telling us. Amen. Amen. But that will lead us onto a road of death. Now let's read Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm building up. Hebrews chapter 12. Some of you, you don't know anything where the Bible is. Nothing. It's true. We've preached to you and preached to you and you are not changing because you are carnally minded. The word of God is not anything precious to you. But Job said, I consider your word better than my necessary food. My many of us, the word of God, oh, the word of that foolish friend of yours is more powerful and more persuasive than the word of God. Hebrews chapter 12. We are reading from verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, 
and thereby many be defiled. And this is the verse I'm looking for, verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. We know that we must look diligently, the Bible says, lest we will be failing of the grace of God. But it says, I look diligently also to see if there's any fornicator or profane person. Profane. Somebody dirty. Somebody unworthy. Say, look diligently because it's not something that you see naturally. It takes a certain diligence, a certain microscopic looking to see. You don't, you don't just see it. Because when you look at him naturally, you will think that all is well. But when you look diligently, you will see that he was a profane person. Esau. Why was he profane? The Bible says, for one morsel of meat, he sold all his birthright. One. 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 Not, not even one sheep. One morsel of meat. Like, if you're having a kebab on a skewer, that one, just that one piece, you sell it. For your birthright. Lord have mercy. Hmm. For you know how that afterward. When he would have inherited or not worked for. Esau was a firstborn. And by Levitical law. Everything came to you as a firstborn. I don't know how much time we have. But the Bible even said that. Even if you have a firstborn. Who doesn't do things the way you want? Still, do not take his inheritance from him to give to another child. It's there, clearly. So, the blessing, he just came and he was the firstborn. He didn't work for it. He just arrived and he, he just inherited the blessing. But you may inherit. But your carnality can lead you to lose all your inheritance. One morsel of meat. One, even this one, they put it properly. But when you read Genesis, it's porridge. At least meat has protein. <laughs> For you know that after when he would have, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Your tears don't bring you to repentance. Many of us, we cry, oh God, I'm sorry, oh God, no more, oh God, a change, oh God. But we have not changed. We have just had an emotional tea party. But we have not had an encounter that has brought a change in our lives. That is what I call carnality. Now, because the Bible uses Esau as a classic example of carnality, I want to take you to him. Genesis chapter 25. How to be spiritually attractive. Genesis chapter 25. Lord have mercy on us. Hmm. Are we there? Verse 23. This is Rebecca. 
She couldn't have a child. And Isaac entreated the Lord for Rebecca, which every husband should do. Because sometimes your wife can't carry a certain burden, but you can intercede on her behalf. Verse 23, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Hmm. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. Not that when you were 60, you were like 27. <laughs> and the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sought pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am the, at the point to die. Your father is alive, you are at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Amen. Esau despised his birthright. I want you to know that Esau's birthright was guaranteed. You see, sometimes people say, oh, but God said that uh, two nations are in the womb and one will serve the other. You know, sometimes when you see somebody hurtling at a certain speed down the freeway, you know how the person is going to end and you can predict it. But it doesn't mean that you are controlling the gears or the steering wheel. So God knew that this will be the outcome. But it's not God who worked it out that way. Amen. Sometimes when people are behaving a certain way, they are drunk, they are driving, because, hey, this person, the way he's drunk, I don't think he'll get home. Is it because you are manipulated? No. But because you can see the end from the beginning. And I believe that that's what God sees. So God sees that this is how history is going to play out. But it's not that I am making you disobedient. I don't know if you understand the difference. <laughs> so God said, the elder shall serve the younger. Because two nations are in the womb. Now, one thing about Esau is that not only was he the firstborn, the Bible said, every, says, everything that opens the matrix shall be precious to God. And that every firstborn child should be given a double inheritance. So when he came, his inheritance was there already. He is not like some of us who have to struggle before we will leave an inheritance for our children. When he came, it was waiting. Amen. And then also, he was more gifted than Jacob. The Bible says he was a cunning man, wild in the fields. You would say a real man, but Jacob was a plain man 
walking in his mother's skirts all the time. The fact that you are gifted by God does not mean you cannot be carnally minded. The fact that God has called you and chosen you does not mean that you cannot be carnally minded. The fact that you are even the first does not mean that you cannot be carnally minded. Hallelujah. And he went to the field. Jacob was just around. When he came, the Bible says he was hungry. The place at which you know whether you are carnal is the place of your greatest need. It is not when all is well. Remember that Jesus was tempted after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And when you fast 40 days and 40 nights, what is attractive to you is bread, not a car. Amen. And that's why Satan came and said, oh, if, if you are really the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And most of us would have said, this is of God. <laughs> ah, what a word of knowledge. Satan, how do you know my needs? This must be God. And not only command it to turn into bread, I will even make an omelette and hamburger and things to add. The place of your greatest struggle shows what is within you. Whether you are carnal or whether you are spiritual. Because when he came, he was hungry. Satan uses our needs, our hunger, our frustrations, the place where we feel pushed to the wall. That is when we give up and we manifest our carnality big time. I was talking to one lady. She said, oh, as for me, I'm attracted to older men. Whenever a young man uh, 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 proposes to me, I'm not interested. I feel drawn to only married men. I said, why? She said, oh, maybe, you know, a father figure that will care for me. I said, since when did you start looking for solving your needs yourself? Who told you that because you didn't have a father or your father didn't look after you, now you should go after sugar fathers? You are using your own carnality to solve your problems. Whereas God has prescribed a way to solve your problems. So what are you talking about? But she said, oh, I'm not. I said, do you know, you may be attracted to older men because they help you financially. There's not any fatherly feeling. My father didn't look at That is not what it is. But they sponsor you. Whereas the young man you meet, he's now finding his own rent to even go and pay. So if you want to know how carnal you are, don't decide when things are well. Decide when God doesn't seem to be coming through. Decide when you have a need that's not met, like hunger. Decide when things are very tough and you are fighting for your, your very existence. That is when you will know whether you are carnal or you are spiritual. And Esau said that what of what use of what use is this birthright to me? Many of us, we have come into Christ. But at certain points, we ask, of what use is my Christianity? Of what use is my relationship with God? Of what use is God's word to me? There's no referee in your life. 
Peter said, we've told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. Jesus said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but by you, you don't have any nevertheless. There's no referee in your life. There's no stop. There's no, you just go freelance. You are moving. Of what right? Of what use? Is this best? Give me the porridge. The Bible says, thus, Esau despised. But Jacob, he was not the firstborn. He was not gifted. And he saw what was of Esau. And said that this thing, it's a precious thing and I want it. And I want it at any cost. I think it was premeditated. Because for your brother to come to you, ask you for poison. Okay, give me your birthright before. Before we even talk. And then he gives it away so easily. Carnality. Porridge. Lentils. Stew. Give it up for your work with God. Lord have mercy on us. It is not that he didn't have his birthright, but he despised it. Sometimes you despise the church you are in. Sometimes you despise the pastor, his visits, his counseling. You despise it. Of what use? Oh, of what use is pastor's presence in my life? Aside. Of what use is this counsel? Aside. Of what use is ministry meeting? In that way, you despise anything God sends you. You despise it. Don't wait to lose it before you know the value. And then you start to cry and your tears don't bring back what you have despised. To despise is to treat as if it's not precious, it's not important, and it doesn't matter. Many of us, we live as if Christ is not even in our lives. And even when he is, it's not precious. You just sell it for anything or anything. That boy who wants to sleep with you, that anything, anything. Porridge, lentils, anything. He could have even gone to ask Rebecca, I'm hungry, mommy. I need some food. But when Jacob asked you for it, you didn't even say, Oh, Jacob, how can you ask me for such a thing? Me, give me the porridge. There was no nothing like that. You can have it. Because in his heart, he had already despised it. He had already placed no value on it. And so it was nothing. God help us. Both of them had parental love. Because Esau was loved by Isaac. And Jacob was loved by Rebekah. Just as we all have God's love. Hmm. A carnal person makes carnal decisions. Or is led by the flesh instead of the Holy Spirit. What leads you? When you are making any decision, anything in life, what, what informs your decision? Amen. Amen. You think there are times when I've also not felt like leaving the church? Do you think there are times when I've not been offended and the pain has been so much? What keeps me going? Is it because I'm in Joe Gabriel? <laughs> it's because I've come to the place where I feel and believe. That God has a higher wisdom that I don't have. So even when I don't see what he's saying, I will still obey. Even when I feel pushed to the wall, I just ask for grace to obey. That's enough. 
If you give me the grace to obey, I'll be okay. Not that even sometimes you should take it away, but just give me the grace so that my faith will not fail in the midst of it. Amen. A carnal person despises and plays down and does not esteem her inheritance in Christ. Esau said, I'm about to die of what use? How did he know he was about to die? Of what use? Even if you don't value it so much, don't disdain it. Don't disdain the fact that you can speak in tongues because sometimes you are so confused that that's the only thing that saves you. You don't know how to frame the prayer language. You don't know what to say. You just, you just break out and say something. And the Bible says, I'll be it. You speak mysteries to God. Don't take it for granted. Amen. Carnality robs us of eternal and spiritual things. A relationship with God and a spiritual existence. Genesis 27. Verse 34. Now, after that, Rebecca says to Jacob, go and put on hairy things. I'm going to cook for you. Then you go for the blessing. The inheritance was linked to the blessing. Esau despised the inheritance, but he still thought he would get the blessing. And the Bible says that what he inherited, the blessing, did not come to him. The inheritance in Christ is linked to the blessings that come to us. So he thought, I'm just, I'm giving away my inheritance. I'm giving away my firstborn. She asked for the blessings. I would like to retain it. There's nothing like that. <laughs> they go hand in hand. Amen. Hmm. Verse 30, and it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also made savory meat, and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that my soul, thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn. You gave it away. And even the fact that you've forgotten shows that you didn't even meditate on it. The Bible says he went his way. Thus Esau despised his. But now he has come and said, I am thy son, thy firstborn. You are no more the firstborn. When carnality and spirituality make an exchange, you are so carnal, you won't even recognize the change that it has occurred. You think that things is business as usual. You think that it's life as usual. But there has been a spiritual exchange in the realm of the spirit. Because the things that God brings away spiritually, we don't value. I am thy son. You are my son, all right. But you are no longer the firstborn. Not because I took it away from you, but because you chose to give it up and to despise it. You lose your spiritual attraction when you don't value the things of God. Hmm. When 
And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. You gave it up. And Jacob wanted to be sure, so he said, Swear, swear. As you are giving it to me, let there be notarization. Let's go to commissioner of oaths. Swear to me. And he said, Oh, I just swear. I mean, just have what is it? I'm a firstborn, so what? I'm a first, I don't even feel any privileges coming to me. And so what? And so and he even swore because of a muscle of meat. That's how carnal we are. Or can be. He swore. And he said, verse 35, thy brother came with subtlety. It wasn't with subtlety. The deal had been done already. And had taken away thy blessing. And he said, is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. He took away? You gave it away on a silver platter. You said, Lord, your word means nothing. Lord, my work with you means nothing. Lord, my relationship with you means nothing. Lord, the church you put me into means nothing. Do you know that it's a privilege that God should call you and I to serve him? As for me, every time I stand on a stage or even in a small group, I just feel that, could God not have found a better messenger? And when the Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, I keep telling people, Nobody invests in anything. Have you seen clay on the stock exchange listed? When you are watching commodity news and things, do you see clay? Sand listed there is gold, brand crude, things that are special. But the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's just by his mercy that he chooses earthen vessels. Me, I'll never invest in an earthen vessel. When, first of all, it's dirty. Secondly, it cannot withstand a lot of strain and wear and tear. And thirdly, even when you mold it, when it falls down, boom, it's finished. Why should I put the excellency of my power in an earthen vessel? But that is God. And so when you are asked to do something in the church, say, today they are calling me to do this. They say, daughter is coming, so I should do this. Why are they worrying me so much? Hey, don't despise your birthrights. Because God can easily set you aside and seek somebody else to help. And they say, oh, we are raising funds to buy every day, every day, money, every day. Your few dollars that you have. Your few, it's just a privilege that you and I should have a small vegetable patch in his vineyard that he gives us, oh, nurture this part. Don't despise it. Amen. You can easily despise your position. You can easily despise even being the first lady of Lighthouse Chapel International. So it's all just trouble. Every day you are sharing your husband. Every day you are there. Hey, be careful. Be careful. For it is a privilege that God puts you there. Moses has seen it a small thing to you. That God should call us and bring us near. Is it a small thing to you? 
Hmm. Now we call you, come and do this for the church. Say, yes, Lord, what a privilege. When you are made ambassador to Slovakia, you think you've been promoted. When you are made an ambassador of the gospel, you despise it. Verse 36, he took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Has thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord. And all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? I've given him everything, including corn and wine. Food. The very thing that you despised, that was a muscle. But this one, corn and wine in abundance. Hmm. Mercy. And Jesus said unto his father, Has thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by sword, verse 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father had blessed him. Why should you hate me? He lifted up his voice and wept. He should have wept when he gave his inheritance. But because he's so carnally minded, everything is flesh. Everything is what you see. Everything, nothing supernatural, nothing spiritual. He didn't see it. It is only a blessing that Esau recognizes. He doesn't recognize inheritance. And Christians of today just want blessing, prophetic, speak over my life. Do that. You just recognize the blessing. But the inheritance is actually what makes you a rightful heir to the blessing. And we change the order of things. We put the blessing before the inheritance. The blessing before your relationship with God. The blessing before your work with God. It's not supposed to be that way. And that doesn't make us spiritually attractive. We just become carnal beings. He lifted up his voice and where Bible says he sought it with tears, but it was gone. And I submit that he never repented. He was just after the blessing. But he never repented of having sold his inheritance or his birthright. He didn't value. And he didn't repent of it. Verse 41. And we are ending soon. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father at hand, then will I slay my brother, Jacob. And then Rebekah hears all these things, and then he, she, she organizes that Jacob must leave. Verse 46. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me. Amen. Now, come to Genesis 28 verse 6. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padanaram, 
And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had. Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nabajoth, to be his wife. He has not repented. He has not sat down to see that what made me lose the blessing began with my selling of the inheritance. When you are carnally minded, you don't process issues and events in your life. You give carnal reasons. Oh, Esau just hated me. And then uh, Jacob, he just supplanted me. And then he came. And then he took it. And he this and he that. But how did it start? One of the marks of higher spirituality is when we can criticize ourselves. The Bible says he sought it with tears. He sought repentance with tears. But he could have, because you can't just cry. Ooh, ooh. He didn't cry when he gave the inheritance up. He cried when he felt he had missed the blessing. And he never allowed God to deal with that issue in his life. And that is why when he heard his father and his mother saying, Oh, I don't want Jacob to take wives. Oh, this is exactly what I'm going to do. You have missed the blessing. Instead of taking stock of your life, repentance and seeing God change your life, you have rather become more some way. The Bible says Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and went to Badana. But Esau, when he heard that, my father and my mother say I should not marry from here. So, oh, that's where even I'll go more. My disobedience is more crowd. So when you are carnal, you add sin to sin and you are not even aware of it. And you are gradually dropping from that place of spiritual attractiveness. But you don't even know. You feel that you are, you, you hate Jacob. What has he done? It is true that he shouldn't have put the hairy thing on. That's contributory negligence. But the large part lies with you. If we were all more inward looking, there would be less problems in marriages, less problems in relationships. But we are always pointing the finger. Oh, it's him. Oh, it's her. Oh, if it were not this, then I wouldn't have done this. But if it were this, then I would have done that. That's why we never change. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Because it's not easy to see. It has to be searched before you can find it. And it's only God who can search. Because when you are dealing with yourself, you wear rose-colored glasses. And when you are dealing with other people, you wear microscopes so that you can see everything. So your things are always rosy, but... He went and took a wife. From Ishmael, Ishmael's people, to defy your father even more. He does not value anything which is of value. Finally, carnality cannot be, I said that. When Esau heard the words of his father, although he cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry, he didn't change. So it's not how loud you cry or how long you cry. But it is a cry that should lead to repentance. And repentance is a change in direction. A change in the way you do things. But not continuing with business as usual and saying that. That all night I cried. But, and so what? <laughs> a carnal person does not have a spiritual life or spiritual encounter with God like Esau. 
Jacob had various visions and appearances by God. When he was going away from his home, he slept in a place. He took a rock and slept on it. And then suddenly his eyes was open and his eyes were open and he saw a ladder from heaven. Angels ascending and descending. And then he, he just built an altar. When he woke up, he built an altar. He said, oh, this place was, it should be called Bethel, the house of God. Oh, God was here and I didn't even know it. Spiritually alert. You, when events happen in your life, you don't have any spiritual interpretation. If you had slept there, you say, hey, this stone to it can bring some dreams. <laughs> the way you process even dreams. The way you process even the issues of it. You see, sometimes I come to a hard place. And then I remember God's word, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. Says the Lord, I may not be comfortable here. I may not be happy in this situation. I may be very broken in it. But he knows the plans he has. I don't know them, but he knows. You come to a place, how do you process it? Romans 8, 28. All things. We know that all things, not some, all work together. They may not be good. But Lord, what is your purpose in letting me go through this? What is your purpose in my going through all these austerity measures? As I'm broken, broken, broke, could it be that I don't pay my tithe so the devourer is coming? You'll be saying that. You'll be saying, hey, it's the recession. Things are very dear. Look, the windows of heaven have been closed totally. Sometimes God brings maybe even a difficult person your way. Say, hey, he's some way, pa. She's some way, pa. All that is true. But what God wants to reveal to you that you are also very proud, impatient, and you lack great humility. How do you process? How do you process the events? Even if 5% is true, work on the 5%. I've learned that in marriage. The one I'm having a discussion with my husband says, but you did this and you said that and I don't think you should. Some of you, you are in a court of law. Mm, you may be thinking I said that. I didn't mean that. Whatever. You didn't mean it. But 5%, the way you said it, that's how it came across. So I will work on my 5%. And the 95, I leave him to God Almighty to sort it out. God was in this place. And I knew not. When he went to Laban, Laban said, I have come to know that God has blessed me on account of you. You are such a blessing that even your presence brings a blessing. That is the kind of blessing that Esau traded. Hallelujah. When he was coming back, he wrestled with an angel. If it were you, would you see it as a spiritual encounter? Some of you have dreams, they look meaningful, you don't even write them down. You just get to say, hey, what type of dream is this? It's somewhere, but we bind, then you leave it. <laughs> or sometimes it's a good dream, say, Lord, where are you bringing me to? 
Lord, what are you trying to communicate with me? The Bible says that I passed by the field of a lazy man, a slothful man. I saw that it was grown, the fences had, and I received instruction. But you, when you pass by a field like that, there's no instruction spiritually to you. You say, people can be lazy, or look at how he has left us. Let that be an example for you. When I hear people in ministry and their stories, it's an example for me. Instead of sitting there and saying, oh, we are not like that. I'm not like that. I can't see that coming. I just don't be that way. Hey, they were greater than you all. They had more grace than you. But certain things still happen to them. How do you process events, even of other people's lives? Hallelujah. He wrestled with the angel. You will wrestle with certain things. But after you have wrestled, will it change your identity and get you closer to God? Because when Jacob wrestled, his name was changed to Israel. He was no more a deceiver. Something in him had changed. So even though God may bless you, you may have the inheritance, he does not stop working on you. I mean, the greatest scenario is that you will marry the wrong woman. That you don't love, you didn't choose. I mean, it's a major sinyazu. But you deceived your brother. Do you remember? You are a supplanter. Do you remember? So you two, you've gone to my but the veil is there. The next morning is not the person. <laughs> you've gone to work for somebody who has changed your wages ten times. And sometimes he has not even paid you. Now you come to the place where you wrestle. God wrestles without carnality. He wrestles with the things that are not pleasing to him. And we also wrestle with him. And that he changes our identity from Jacob into Israel. Carnality does not change your identity. In carnality, even though you are born again, you are the same. In fact, sometimes you are worse. Do you understand? You are worse than the world. The Bible says that when you return to the things of the world, you become worse than you were before. It's a prophecy. So then the people say, hey, this one, he was griefing, but look at how he has become. Because he went back. So the Bible says, like a dog returning to his vomit, and you are worse than the beginning. But you and I can decide to be spiritual. <laughs> As a wife, sometimes if I, I want to be carnal, hmm, I don't know uh, where we will go. Because as my husband is going to Beirut, hey, <laughs> And I asked his administrator, so what flights are you getting? So oh, British Airways doesn't go there. All the major airlines have stopped going there. There are advisories on it. Hey, so which airline? Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern? And look at all the turmoil in the Middle East. How do you choose Middle East? She said, because that is the one that's there. I asked him, he trusts that that's where God wants him to be. And the, the temptation is to exchange that thing for a pot of soup. Oh, stay here with me. Oh, let's stay in our comfort zone. Oh, let's just do things that we are comfortable with. Let's just do things that don't stretch us too much. Do you know where it would have led Lighthouse Chapel to? It takes the grace of God. And when you are spiritually attractive, you are not carnally minded, you become more and more attractive because... Even after he has been blessed so much, he's also blessed again in Laban's house and then blessed again by that angel that he encounters. 
We don't have time to read it, but when he meets Esau, Esau says, I have enough. Jacob says, I want to give you some of my goods. Esau says, I'm okay. I have enough. I also have things. So sometimes you may even have semen carnal blessings, but the real inheritance is nothing. And the Bible talks about a certain type of blessing that only God can give. And that blessing, it addeth no sorrow. But the blessing of the world, it comes with many sorrows. But the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. I pray that you will become a spiritual woman tonight. I pray that the way you see things will change. I pray that you're thinking about even hardships and difficulties. You will see God's hand. That instead of complaining and grumbling like the Israelites, you will say, I don't know why he, happened, he allowed all this to happen to me. But he must have a plan. He says he has a plan. I would rather trust him to bring me to that place. And that will cause a certain attraction to come upon you that no man can take away from you. Stand to your feet, please. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shall we close our eyes? You are the love of my life. Oh, you are the hope that I cling to. You mean more than this world to me. I wouldn't trade you for silver or gold. I wouldn't trade you for riches untold you are you are my everything you are you are my everything oh you are you are my everything Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Open our hearts. Open our eyes to see. I want to see. Oh, open our eyes that we may see the difference between spirituality and carnality. See you high and lifted up, oh Jesus, shining the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we You are here tonight. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. 
You haven't even started from stage one. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to make a spiritual decision tonight. I don't want to be carnally minded. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be serious with God. You are here like that this evening. Just put up your hand. Wherever you are standing, you want to give your life to Christ. Put up your hand. Let it go above your shoulder. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell or when I die. I want to make a commitment. Father, I pray for your people. I pray that a certain spiritual attraction will come to us. Father, your word says that we are in the world, but help us not to be of the world. Deliver us from Satan and all his deceptions. Deliver us from all his snares and his traps. Lord, let there be a renewal of our minds. Help us to be spiritually minded, which is life and peace. And deliver us from carnal mindedness, which is death. Thank you that the spirit of carnality is broken over our lives. And that we are going to be spiritually attractive women from today. We thank you for your word that has come to us. Continue to do your work in us. To will and to do of your good pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please take your seats. Hallelujah. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.